This week on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation, Catholic speaker, evangelist, catechist, and retreat master, Dave Denuzzo, breaks through the culture in his show titled, The Author of Lies Distorts Authentic Manliness. So now, here's Dave Denuzzo. Hello, and welcome to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. This is Dave Denuzzo coming to you for my first show. I'm going to be doing a few shows for the radio station here, and hopefully uh, we'll have some good listenership. So, welcome to the show, and we're going to be talking about authentic masculinity, we're going to be talking about pornography, we're going to be talking about a number of things in relation to the body and God's plan for us. And let us begin in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you bless us with so many gifts, specifically our body. Thank you so much for the theology of the body, the gift that you've given to us. May we be good stewards of those bodies that you've given to us, that we may know your plan and know your will, and may we embrace all that you have for us so that we can enjoy the blessings we have here on earth as well as those to come when we are with you in heaven. Lord, help us to live lives of holiness, lives of joy, that those who do not know you may come to know you, and they may come to know of you, of your love, and of what they can have through the joy that we have. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So again, this is Dave Denuzzo, and I am coming to you from Beloit, Kansas. I am uh, involved in ministry at many different levels. I am also the director of evangelization at St. John's in Beloit, and it's a relatively new position, trying to encourage people to, one, learn what evangelization is, but also to do it. That's something we're all called to to live Christ crucified and to be able to share that with others. I am also uh, involved in a men's ministry that I started back in 2007 called True Manhood Men's Ministry, and our website is truemanhood.com. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about authentic masculinity and how we got into that. You may have heard a little bit of my story back from the uh, fundraiser that we did for the station um, a, a number of weeks ago. I was on and was able to do a show. Uh, We were talking about authentic masculinity that day as well, but I shared a little bit of my story, and one of those areas is a long-time addiction to pornography and uh, with with the recovering uh, uh, time in, 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 in dealing with that addiction. But it started very young for me. At a young age of 10, I was exposed, and it increased and became... Uh, a major issue in my life and kept me from God in so many ways. But it also led to a life of anger and a life of sloth and um, being incredibly undisciplined to womanizing and to uh, just a number of areas that were affected negatively by my my viewing of pornography. One of those things that that comes with pornography is that that strips men of their ability to live authentically masculine lives. So before we get into much of what we're going to get into here, 
it's important that we discuss what authentic masculinity is. There are so many ideas that we see in culture, so many opinions about what it means to be a true man. Now, the name of my men's ministry, True Manhood, comes from the divine praises. You'll notice in the divine praises uh, when benediction is happening that it says, Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. And so for men, he is our model. Jesus is our model and, and everything that he did, we should do. When we break it down to the very base level, what we're shooting for is love. Now, this is a very countercultural idea. Very, very, very rarely is our culture going to say, yes, men, males, you should love to the point of death. You should give all that you have and lay down your life. We don't hear that, right? What we hear is kind of some extreme ideas of masculinity. And so I want to lay out some of those. There, You know, look, there's a lot of opinion about masculinity that are floating around. These ideas are uh, everywhere, whether we know them because they're an, an overt idea or because they're more in the subconscious of expectations culturally or various ideas that maybe have been so watered down in our culture that we're just immune to really seeing them. So one of these ideas, and this is the main idea that I discuss when I blog and also when I speak, is to talk about the world's suggestion to men, and we call that cultural manliness. This is the idea that the world is selling to men that the more power, money, sex, and stuff that a man can consume, the more manly he is. So... I'm, I'm really big on distinction of terms and clarifying exactly what we're saying. First, what we're saying is there's a gender. There are two genders, male and female. We know this through DNA. We know this through chromosomes. And that's a countercultural idea in some circles. These ideas of uh, many different kinds of genders or being gender neutral or whatever it may be. We're not going to discuss that today, but we are going to discuss that there are genders. There is a female and a male. And so when we're a male, it does not necessarily mean that we are living authentically masculine. We are masculine in our nature. However, to live a life of authentic masculinity, true manhood, as it were, requires something from us. So to distinguish terms again, there are males, and as I like to point out, dogs are male too. And we are not called to live like dogs. We are called to live like Christ. So men, maybe I should say males, we are called to something so much higher than what the world wants to offer us. So again, this idea of cultural manliness, that the more power, money, sex, and stuff we consume, the more manly we are. Now, if we just take a quick look at this and just say, well, obviously that's not correct. Well, yes, we're right, it's not correct. But this idea is prevalent in so many places. If we look at the world in general, the culture, the media, the music, 
movies, television, advertising, on and on and on, we see this skewed view of masculinity. So let's break down cultural manliness just a little. The more power that a man can get, the more masculine he is. The more power. Power, in and of itself, is not a bad thing. Power that is used improperly or used at the detriment of others is an abuse of power and therefore negative and therefore vicious, not virtuous. Money, we know that the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, money in and of itself is not a bad thing. We know that we need it to survive and to purchase necessities of life and also creature comforts. So it's not that money in and of itself is bad or that a male who has money cannot live authentically masculine. But what we're saying is that the lie that the more money that a man has, somehow the more manly he is. Meaning that if I consume as much as possible, then that gives me more notches in my belt. The biggest house I have, maybe multiple homes, the biggest boat, truck, bike, this thing, that thing, whatever it is. So this is a lie. The more sex that a man can have, the more manly he is. Wow. Well, we get into this concept of this kind of, they all kind of go together. So sex in and of itself is not a bad thing. And in fact, it is a great thing. And it's such a beautiful blessing. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this on the One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. Because we have to understand that our sexuality is a blessing, is a gift, not something to be abused, which is what is happening here in this idea of cultural manliness, that the more sex a man has, the more manly he is. So what we see here is that the culture is telling men that you can go out and lord your power over anything you want and have sex with it. Now, this concept used to mean with women, now in our culture, it's become even more obscure, and it does not necessarily mean that. But to say that we can go out and conquer as many women as we want without any consequence is a lie. But this is the lie that is being sold to us, that we can go out without any consequence and have sex with as many people as possible, and that that somehow makes us more manly. And then the fourth aspect is stuff, that the more stuff we consume, the more manly we are. So this is a consumerist idea, and somehow that if I have stuff, then that makes me manly. Okay, here's the concept as well, that overarching here with the cultural manliness is the idea of one of the extremes, what I like to call the hypermasculine. The hypermasculine means that it's this idea we see in action movies with uh, many sports situations, um, the idea we see in, uh, in a lot of things, in a lot of different areas, this macho man or the machismo or the, the man who is never vulnerable, the man who gets angry quickly, the man who does not know how to control his emotions, he has rage issues, the man who will get into a fist fight, the man who drinks too much, the man who bullies, 
the man who will hit a woman, the man who will lose his cool when it comes to any situation. This is the hyper man. We see this glorified in many movies. We see this glorified in sports. And this is what so many of our young children, our middle-aged high schoolers, college-aged, middle-aged men, older men, are looking towards as their example. And this, unfortunately, is so empty. It is so defeating. And it lacks the ability to be fulfilling. When that happens, these men often resort to not only cultural manliness, but a deeper version of cultural manliness where that power, money, sex, and stuff that they're shooting for becomes all that they live for. And they hide behind that and actually fail miserably to live out masculine lives. Now on the other side, the other extreme from this hyper-masculinity and unfortunately, I don't have a great word for it, but it would be what the hyper man would call the sissy or the wuss. Now, this is often associated in many people's minds with the gay man. This is often referred to as metrosexuals and things like this. This idea that the hyper masculinity all of these negative ideas of being macho, being big and bulky, being rough and gruff, using tools, shooting guns, being an outdoorsman, being, um, you know, so many of these different things. It is the total denial of those. So the sissy or the wuss or the gay man, this idea on the other extreme from hypermasculinity is sensitive and puts so much emphasis on being sensitive or being emotional and totally wants to disregard everything about masculinity. This is a very feminized version and maybe that's the oxymoron that this is feminine masculinity on this extreme. And so many things that come with this idea is that um, this man who is male by chromosome, by DNA, does not associate with the hyperman. So not only does he deny the hyperman, he doesn't want to be anything like the hyperman. And we have a major conflict between these types of masculinity. And as I said earlier, there are so many versions I could have maybe it's not a spectrum but maybe it's a plane with dots shooting all over the plane that describe various sorts of masculinity these things that men relate to or these ideas that men gravitate towards what I want to show here today on the show is that we're not denying any of these parts of the hyperman. It's not bad to have muscles, to be able to pick up heavy weights, to have a great beard, to drink beer. We want to do it in moderation, to use tools, 
to have a large truck to be extremely athletic. It also is not bad to be sensitive, to have positive emotion, to be romantic. And all those ideas of the power, money, sex, and stuff, those things in and of themselves are not bad. These are things that make up the opportunity for us to embrace masculinity when they are pinpointed in the right place. So if cultural manliness is not the answer, what is? The other option for what it means to be authentically masculine, to be a true man, if it's not this idea of cultural manliness, the more power, money, sex, and stuff that a man has, the more manly he is, it's not hypermasculinity. It's not feminine masculinity. What is it then? What are we shooting for? And the answer, it is not rocket science. It is not difficult. It's difficult to live, but the concept itself is fairly simple. And that is this. To live true manhood, to be authentically masculine, males must live virtue. Males must live virtue. It's not hard. That is the answer. Now, if you've done any any studying of the virtues, specifically from St. Thomas Aquinas, you understand what I'm saying. You understand that virtue is the answer to all problems. Any problem that a person has or a culture has, even that we have within the church, any problems we have, the answer is always virtue. So let's... As I said before, let's have some uh, distinguished terms. Let's distinguish between what we're saying here so that everyone is on the same page and we all understand. What we're saying is virtue, per the catechism, is the habitual and firm disposition to do the good. And there are some criteria that we have to do. We do it with joy. We do it consistently and so on. What's important here is that we understand what virtue is. And virtue is the good. Ultimately, as I said before, the greatest good is to love. Now, our culture has destroyed that word, love. We associate so many bad things with that. If you do a Google search uh, on the Google images and you type in love, it will come up with so many things that are so far from love. If you type it in, you'll get pictures of shimmery hearts and boxes of chocolate and teddy bears with hearts. Basically, this commercialized idea of Valentine's Day. The better word is charity, true charity, caritas. So what we're shooting for as men is ultimately that great love, love enough that we would lay down our lives when called like Christ. Now, there are other virtues. We're not going to do the show on virtues, but that is the answer to living authentic masculinity, that men, we must live virtue. So if there's ever a problem in our lives, we need to figure out what we're lacking. If we're lacking virtue, we have to figure out what virtue we need and then begin to work on it. Now, there are a number of ways to go about this. But ultimately, there are two ways that we gain virtue. One 
is through practice. So if I have trouble being prudent, I need to pray that I have the opportunity to grow in prudence. I should practice the opportunity to be prudent. I need to concentrate on being prudent. I need to uh, center my opportunities in life around being prudent. There's the second way, and maybe most, most important, is by grace. This is a gift from God to be able to live virtue. And this is what the saints do. The saints lived virtue, and uh, they did it heroically. And that's what we're all called to. And that's why the answer to all our problems in life is to live virtue. The saints knew this, and God knows this, and that's what he wants from us. So if you're looking for help when it comes to what is virtue, I suggest that you look in the catechism. It'll give you definitions. It will give you many opportunities. You can look either in the front, in the table of contents, or you can look in the back, in the index, and that'll help you in your catechism. You can also search online, and uh, there's so many ways to find the catechism, um, apps on your phone or your tablet and so forth. But also, if you go to truemanhood.com, my website, and look for the Guide to Virtue, there's a several-page guide that can help in understanding the various virtues. And if you struggle in an area and need to work on the virtue, you can understand where you're coming from, what your starting point is, and learn how to overcome uh, the vice that you're living currently so that you can obtain the virtue that you're hoping for. So again, you can go to truemanhood.com and search for the guide to virtue. That's going to be in uh, the tabs, or you can search the site for that. That's one of the things we do at truemanhood.com is we fight pornography. We fight the idea of cultural manliness, which is what we talked about before the break. And we do it all through teaching virtue. So when it comes down to what does it mean to be authentically masculine, how do we embrace this body that we have as males? How do we be good stewards of this thing that is God's creation, us? How do we do it? We live virtue. We live virtue. It's not the hardest concept. It is hard to live it. Certainly in our culture, it's difficult. It's not easy. And it gets harder and harder because we have spiritual attack when we do try to live that way. But that's what Jesus is calling us to. You know, when Jesus came, he set up the model. One, he was a great son. His father, St. Joseph, my favorite saint, his father set such a great example for him. Right, He lived this life as a tecton, as a carpenter, uh, what we would call today one of these misnomers of the man's man. Well, the reason why St. Joseph was the man's man is because he lived virtue, not because he was big and muscly and able to work with tools and because he provided financially and because he was able to ward off uh, creatures that came at them as they were traversing the, the mountains and the deserts on their on their fleeing trips and as they returned home. None of those things. The reason why Joseph is the terror of demons, why he is the patron saint of so many things, why he is 
why he was chosen to be Jesus's father is because of his virtue. And so that's why if we have any opportunity to spend on learning from the lives of the saints, if you got to choose one, choose Joseph. Men, he is our model for authentic masculinity. It's so incredible when we dive into that. So Jesus was raised this way, and then he got into his life. And we see it in the scriptures of his opportunity in ministry. And what he did was not this idea of cultural manliness, not lording power over others, not going after money, not going after sexual satisfaction, and not going after consuming stuff, but rather living virtue. He was living in a way that would bring others to his father so that they may know him and know the benefits of the father's love. So what what's happening then in our world? If we're not doing what Jesus did himself, why? Why aren't we doing this? What's going on? Well, I think it comes down to this. Sin is easy, right? Virtue is hard. So living a vicious life, to, le- to live a life of vice, right, which people don't want to admit, that, that's a hard term for people to say, well, if I'm not virtuous, then I'm vicious. Well, they don't want to acknowledge that. Many of us don't want to acknowledge that, that we have vicious tendencies. If you're not virtuous, you are vicious. There's no middle ground here. This is a hard concept for people. However, as we work and strive and yearn for virtue, we're on our way. This is what God God calls us to, to be perfect as His Heavenly Father is perfect. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned. We'll be right back. One body, stewarding God's creation. with Dave Denuzzo as he continues to talk about what gets in the way of authentic manliness. Now, here's Dave. So, what gets in the way? Well, I believe that there are five big lies that the devil is selling to our culture right now. Five big lies. Now, there are others. These are the five big ones, if you ask me. For our culture, in our day and age, right now, worldwide. Not just in America, not just in in our continent, but worldwide. These are the five big lies. And there's one aspect that brings these all together. And I'm going to wait till the end to show you, but if you can catch on to them, uh, I think it'll make sense. So five big lies from the devil. Number one, pornography, especially in the lives of men. But let's not be Let's not be unaware of what's actually happening in our culture. The average age of exposure for boys is down to the age of eight. I think that's a little bit high uh, on the average, especially because of how rampant pornography has become. Things that would have been considered pornography a number of years ago, even 10 years ago, are not considered pornography today 
it's in our racks on the magazines in the grocery store in Walmart in everywhere it's on billboards we hear about it you know pornography can also be in in the form of the words we hear and so our children who are exposed to the culture through specifically television movies music and the internet are going to be exposed to pornography at a very 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 young age not every boy is exposed at that age but that's the average it becomes a rampant problem then when our boys are exposed at that age guess who else is exposed our girls our young girls are becoming more and more prone to having pornography addictions and they believe now these statistics uh, you never know with statistics what exactly you're getting but it's said that one out of four church-going women have an addiction to pornography so when you're in the pew one out of one out of four women next to you have an addiction to pornography it's because it's so rampant it's so available it's so easy to get ensnared by pornography this is why i believe it is the devil's number one lie uh, when we trace it back to the origin of pornography which maybe i'll do on another show but when we trace it back uh, so many of these other lies that I'm getting ready to uh, to list stem from pornography being acceptable in our culture. So the devil's five big lies. Number one, pornography. Number two, abortion and contraception. When it's okay in our culture to kill the unborn, to murder babies, or to prevent or to attempt to prevent through the use of contraception... Uh, the lives that, that could be born, and also having abortifacient contraception. Those things go together. This is a big lie. We are killing our babies out of convenience. We are killing our babies because women do not feel supported by the men that they are sleeping with. Some are married that are having abortion, but that number is so low Many are single and have had multiple abortions. So this is one of the biggest lies that the, that the devil is selling. Another lie that the devil is selling is divorce. That divorce is okay, that it is normal, and that if you want out, you can get out. Now, obviously, in the church, we do not believe this. We believe that marriage is sacred and that it is a covenant between man and woman that binds them together and is for life. So the devil wants to get at the family through divorce and he's going to make that one of his targets. Another lie that the devil has is the lie of atheism or this new age modernism. Basically, uh, atheism is the total denial of God, that God does not exist at all. And what comes from that is the opportunity for the atheist to not have responsibility. Now, many atheists will hear that and say, well, that's not true. We are the best uh, citizens around. We are the most philanthropic and, you know, all these ideas. Well, actually, that's not the case. And I'm going to link why these all are linked together in just a moment. So the fourth lie, atheism. The fifth of the big lies from the devil is 
so prevalent in our culture nowadays. You hear about it on the news. You hear about it in music. It is everywhere. People are blogging about this, writing about it in newspapers, talking about it everywhere. And that is the lie of what I'm going to call the homosexual agenda. There's some distinction of terms here that I'd like to make. One, Catholics believe very, very, very clearly that people are not homosexual. We believe that acts are homosexual. People are people. And we believe in the dignity of each human person and that we all have the same human dignity no matter what. If someone chooses to be involved in a homosexual act, that is their choice. However, we do stand firm that that is disordered, that it is against nature, and that it is sinful. It does not mean that we hate the person. In fact, we are called to love those people even more. The proper way of describing the person is to say that they have same-sex attraction. This is valuing the person and realizing that this person who has these attractions to those members of the same sex are struggling the same way that I struggle with pornography, the way that some people struggle with alcohol, the same way that some people struggle with pride or any number of sins, that it is something that we embrace as our cross to guide us towards holiness. So I want to give that caveat that someone may be uh, out there listening and say, well, gosh, these Catholics are so against homosexuals. Well, one, they're not homosexuals themselves. They are people. The acts are homosexual. And so this lie that the homosexual agenda, that it is normal, that it is great that we should embrace it and if we don't embrace it that we are bigots or somehow we are totally against these people and so on and so forth you've heard all of these that we we should allow them to uh, we should allow for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman and so on and so forth this is a lie from the devil this is disordered and this is against the natural law so these five lies pornography abortion and contraception divorce, atheism, and the homosexual agenda. What is it that all five of them have in common? Well, anybody out there? That's right. It's our human sexuality. Our human sexuality binds these five things together in such a profound way, pornography, because it destroys... This is why the devil wants everyone to look at pornography, because it destroys love. It destroys intimacy. Abortion and contraception, it destroys life. Divorce, it destroys the family. It destroys the marriage. Atheism, well, how is that linked to our sexuality, you might ask? When you are an atheist and you have no responsibility because there is no higher power and there is no central authority, you can then do what you want without fear of repercussion. This is also known as hedonism, giving in to sexual pleasures, giving into basically a life of searching for pleasure only. This is why people go that route, because then they can have free reign to do whatever they want. This isn't why it's a big lie. And also the homosexual agenda, which destroys 
relationships and destroys the understanding of freedom and destroys the understanding of the sexual act. These are the devil's big lies. These are things that will destroy the body. And it's a concept that uh, I think if we look at it face value, we see it and we're clear for those of us who are faithful Catholics to understand these things, that pornography, abortion, contraception, divorce, atheism, and homosexual acts, that they are bad is one thing. For us to understand why they're bad and what we can then do about them is, a, is another topic altogether. We have to understand the why of why these particular lies from the devil are destroying the body and not allowing us to steward God's creation. So if you have hate mail <laughs> for me, uh, you can email me. I'd love to discuss this with you. This is so important. So again, this is Dave Denuzzo on the One Body Stewarding God's Creation show here on KVDM. 88.1 in Hayes. You know, we, we have to talk about these things. We have to talk about them openly. We have to talk about them plainly and without hesitation. Now, if you are using pornography, there is a way out. If you have been involved in an abortion yourself or have helped, or if you are a post-abortive man, um, there are help. There's, there's opportunities for you to be supported and helped through this. Okay, no matter what you're involved in if it's if you're involved in these five lies from the devil which we're all involved in them to some extent we all know someone who's been divorced we all know someone who's an atheist or or living an atheistic lifestyle many of us know people with same-sex attraction who are maybe in favor of same-sex marriage or whatever it may be we all have this is very close to home these things are so nearby that we have to wrestle with these topics, but we have to stand firm. And the love, as I've been saying, for us to live authentic masculinity, we have to love radically. We have to love radically, okay? The answer to all of these issues, the answer to pornography, is the virtue of chastity, the virtue of temperance. Okay? When we're looking at abortion and contraception, this is also an issue of virtues of wisdom, virtues of prudence, virtues of chastity. Okay, When we're looking at divorce, this is it's all going to stem towards the virtue of charity, true love. In atheism, we need the virtue of religion. Did you know that religion is a virtue? It is. And when we're talking about the homosexual agenda, we need the virtue of chastity, the virtue of temperance. Again, on my website, truemanhood.com, there is the guide to virtue, and it can walk you through a number of these things. But whenever we have a deficiency or a vice, we need to have the other side, which is the virtue. You know, we're going to talk about these topics, and we're going to get them out in the open and start to deal with some of these topics in folks' lives. I don't want to leave you hanging. And so we've got just a few more minutes. I don't want to leave you hanging. If you're struggling in one of these areas, there are resources for you. And specifically, if you're dealing with pornography, there are things that we can do on a very practical level, like get an accountability partner, create a plan of action. Uh, we can do things like get software on your computer, your tablet, your phone, get you away from the adult stores, get you away from magazines coming, you know, in subscriptions or whatever it may be. 
we have to take the first step. The first step is acknowledging that we have a problem. Now, if you want help with pornography, I have a five-step guide. It's actually a three-step guide. Once you've done the first two steps, those don't need to happen anymore. But there's a five-step guide on truemanhood.com, and that may be a place to start. There are lots of books, lots of ways out. I would suggest that you get involved in a prayer life, that you are reading scripture, that you are praying the rosary. Run to Mary. This is a very masculine thing to do, to have our sword, our rosary, in our pocket, and to pull it out and to run, do again what Christ did in his life, and he ran to Mary. She was his mother. She was his everything, and she is now at his right hand in heaven taking our petitions to the son who will not deny her requests. So there are some things we can do very practically, okay, about dealing with pornography. Take the first step, get to confession, talk it over with the priest, contact me, again, dave at truemanhood.com. I really hope that people will email if they need help or if they want, you know, if you're a parent and you know that your teenage son or maybe your college-age daughter, or your husband, or whatever, or maybe you, whoever whoever's out there listening, if you want help, please, please email me. And, and, and please contact me so that I can help you. That's why I do what I do. You know, if you're dealing and struggling with abortion, whether it's it's con- considering one, or being a party to one, or, or promoting that, and you want help, Rachel's Vineyard is a retreat that you can go on, but there's also counselors available. There's priests that can help you with this. There's women who will sit and talk with you who have had abortions before. It's not the end of the world, and this is why, because God loves us. God loves you, and he wants to forgive you, and he wants you to choose him. Okay, so there's so much beauty. Although there's these lies that the devil's selling, there's so much beauty in what God's version of it is. God is going to love you through this. He wants you to choose to love him back. If you're struggling with divorce, either considering a divorce, have had a divorce, there are opportunities possibly for annulment. File that, talk to your priest, talk to your counselors, and and get that process happening. Or get back together. That might be the answer. That might be what is loving. I don't know all the scenarios, so I'm not going to begin to suggest that I do. But marriage is hard. So for a resource for you, there are retreats out there. There are books. There are groups. There's also uh, you know, accountability. There's all kinds of things you can do. So I would suggest you take that first step. If you're an atheist or a non-Catholic and you're interested in the faith, we can help with that. We have a program called RCIA in our church, and it's where you come to learn with no expectations, with no commitments. You come to learn the faith, and we will be able to teach you what Catholicism is, what we believe, why we believe it, and then leave it up to you to decide for yourself whether that is something you want to do or not. And if you're living the homosexual lifestyle, if you are someone who is struggling with same-sex attraction, The Catholic Church not only embraces you, but embraces the struggle and wants to walk you through it. And we have a group called Courage that is for folks who are living with same-sex attraction, who want to choose to live a life of chastity, 
<clears throat> and be able to be a faithful Catholic, even though this is their cross. If you're the family member of someone with same-sex attraction, or SSA, we have a group for you called Encourage, and that's for family members or friends trying to help that person with SSA through this problem. So we can talk about the topics, but if you don't feel supported in them, you may never do anything about it because you feel alone, you feel like it's too big of a uh, too big of a step to get over. But the important thing to know here is that we support you and we love you. And we know, let me talk to you personally, I know the true power of when someone loves you through your sin. I had left the church. I had denied the Catholic Church. I was the biggest anti-Catholic Catholic hater you could have found. And I thought I knew everything. I was womanizing. I was a rageaholic. I was two-faced. You know, I was using pornography. And luckily, I had so many good, solid Catholic people around me that they loved me out of my sinfulness. And that's what I needed. And that's what I'm trying to do here, is I'm trying to help you to the next step, to a life of fulfillment, to a life of joy, to a life that God has created. Okay, again, this, this show that we're trying to steward God's creation through our bodies. It's such a beautiful thing when it comes together and we can do that and God allows us to do that. It is so powerful. It is so life-giving. And it's just, it's it's so much more fulfilling than these lies the devil gives. So I also want to kind of uh, self-promote a little bit here. There's a book out. If you missed it for Father's Day, it's a good book for your dad or for your husband or for your sons anytime. It's called Man Up, Becoming the New Catholic Renaissance Man. And it was a book project that I was on with a number of other Catholic authors. There were 12 of us all together with my friend Jared Zimmerer, the main author, and some other well-known Catholic evangelists and speakers and authors like Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Jesse Romero, Dr. Kevin Vost, um, Father Steve Grunau, and, uh, and so forth. This concept of this book of man up, that we would say virtue up, be a man of virtue, live virtue like Christ lived, virtue and that's how we get to authentic masculinity so the books are available at truemanhood.com slash man up book and uh, if if we can get you a bulk a bulk sale for the parish for a men's group for high schoolers for youth group whatever it may be please let us know we'd like to get that resource into uh, to folks hands so that we can have this well-rounded book on the various topics of masculinity, all coming from a Catholic perspective. So again, more resources that are available in your journey. I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to share and to speak during this uh, during this time on this radio program. Hopefully we'll be able to do more shows. Um, the opportunity to, to come in and, and talk about masculinity from a man's perspective, from what the church is saying to live virtue, and uh, so I just thank you for the opportunity. Again, this is Dave Denuzzo from True Manhood Men's Ministry, truemanhood.com. Thank you for listening to One Body Stewarding God's Creation here on Divine Mercy Radio. 
And may God bless you in all your ways, in all your days, for all your for all your life. Let us end in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Thank you for listening to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, smartphone app, Amazon Echo, or at dvmercy.com, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. If you have a comment on today's show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the One Body icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. And folks, eternity is not seen, but neither are these airwaves. But if you can support these radio waves and help save souls for eternity, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, KBDM 88.1 Hayes and KRTT 88.1 Great Bend. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.